0: For the U.S. Postal Service, a surge in package delivery volume has offset some of the other losses because of the pandemic. So letter carriers in rural areas are working overtime to deliver all of the packages. This as the new Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, met with postal unions to outline his priorities. For one account of that session, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the president of the National Rural Letter Carriers Association, Ronnie Stutz. He made it very clear that his goal was not to privatize the Postal Service. He wanted to take the Postal Service and try to turn it around and make it a viable business, and he wanted to keep universal delivery of mail like it is today. And he said, absolutely, I don't want to privatize. He also said that he looked forward to working with the unions. He did not want to try to deunionize the Postal Service whatsoever, and that his main goal was to uh, get the post office turned around and make it as viable as possible. And I told him then, I said, well, you, you've answered a lot of my concerns with that because certainly certainly we don't want privatization of the post office. And, you know, I explained to him about what I believe that privatization would do to the postal service, especially in rural delivery and rural areas. As you well know, UPS, FedEx, and Amazon, they do not want to deliver themselves out into the rural communities. And it's known as the last mile. And the Postal Service has contracted with them uh, to deliver that to them because we have the network and everything's in place. So we do uh, deliver for our competitors, and we do that almost daily. So I explained to him that privatization would destroy rural America, and that's what I want the American public to know as well. I think the people have taking the Postal Service for granted. And, you know, we just think it's going to be here. It's, it's going to be around forever. But if we did privatize the Postal Service, I assure you people are not going to go out into the rural communities, then it's really going to hurt in rural America. And, you know, he, he totally agreed with that, you know, with that concept. We talked a little bit about the importance of the Postal Service and what we do, especially when we have a pandemic or a crisis like we do now. We have been there to deliver medications. We've been there to deliver and keep rural America connected uh, with the rest of the world. You know, I told him that I felt like with his experience uh, in logistics and marketing that I would like to see him bring some ideas to the Postal Service to help make money for the post office because I believe that's what we've been lacking in is marketing strategies for the Postal Service. So he assured me that he wanted to do that. He has a lot to learn about the post office. He admitted that up front. He's been doing a lot of reading about it, but he's a businessman, but he does not know a lot about the post office. So far, he's been letting his staff, he's been allowing them to kind of drive the train and help educate him on some of the things that's going to be taking place. My first impression of Mr. DeJoy is I want to give him an opportunity to live up to what he told me. I think he will. I believe he will. And the other thing that I talked to him about, which was very important to me, was his relationship with President Trump. I told him, I said, we have a president that has been given bad information about the problem with the Postal Service and why that we're in the financial condition we're in today. It's not about Amazon. It's not about giving them a break on any uh, mailings and other things. And I said, you're going to find out that a lot of our problems – or because we need postal reform. We've been required to pay into employees' retirement benefits 75 years into the future, and no other entity has to do that, no other federal agency. But I said right now what we need to be focusing on, and that's what we're trying to focus on now, is we have a pandemic with this COVID-19, and it has affected the postal service just like it has all the other business. Uh, we need money, and the president, through his being given bad information, pretty much stopped our money. I mean, that's where it stopped. It stopped at the White House. And I told him, I said, I hope that with any kind of relationship that you might have with uh, President Trump, you know, we might be able to educate him on what the issue is with the Postal Service and where we need to go from there. A very uh, productive call, it sounds like. Let's unpack the national level grievance that the union filed recently. Maybe walk me through some of the highlights of what's going on there. It's hard for a lot of people to grasp and understand how rural letter carriers are paid in the postal service. We're paid differently than any other craft in the post office. City carriers, clerks, for the most part, the non-management type people that work for the post office, you have an hourly rate. If you go over 40 hours, you get paid overtime. Rural letter carriers, we wanted to have what we call an evaluated pay system. It was very difficult. It's very difficult to get that passed because of the law of working over 40 hours, you're supposed to get overtime. So we did convince Congress and we did convince everyone that we would go on a pay system that's an evaluated pay system. And how that works is today what we do is we periodically will have what we call mail counts. And what that means, we have time functions going back and forth loading our vehicle. We have time functions going over to the case to retrieve mail. Then we have counts of mail. How many flats do we have? How many letters do we have? How many certifies do we have? How many packages do we have? And each one of those has a number that goes along with them. Like X amount of letters gives you so many minutes. So what we would do, and all rural routes will be evaluated differently depending on how much work they do and how much mail they get. So you would go through a period, normally it's about once a year, that that route would be evaluated. And what we did through that period of time, that would set the evaluation of that route. And you could be on a route that would pay 40 hours even all the way up to 46 hours a week, and it had some built-in overtime. So that's the way we'd get paid. There would be some days that when the mail volume was light, you might work under your valuation, but you get the same pay. And there'd be times when you work over, you would still get the same pay, but for the most part, it evened itself out. There's only one time a year that we have in our contract, and that was what we call peak season, during the Christmas period when everybody's mailing all of these packages. Then we could get paid overtime then. If you worked over your evaluation, your weekly evaluation, you got paid overtime. There was a period of time that was set during that peak season. But all the other times, it's the evaluated system. So when this hit, when, when the COVID hit, we started negotiating with the Postal Service and helping out. We started signing memorandums of understanding. We could have uh, regular carriers helping on other routes. We could have our part-time people working outside of what they would normally work, and we call those memorandums of understanding. The NRLCA, we've been over backwards with the post office to help do what we could, and i, I got to say the other unions did as well. So when we got into this and we started seeing all of these packages coming in, our rural letter carriers, which would normally we wouldn't have this happen this time of year, they were working over their weekly evaluation got real stressful shorthanded, and we had people working 12, 14 hours a day. We needed some assistance. We didn't really have the bodies to do it, and this thing hit all at one time, and I went to the postal service, and I said, look, we got to do something here. I said, our people need to be compensated for all these additional hours they're working, and we need to do something here, so I went to them with a memorandum of understanding, and basically, in layman's terms, it was Let's do now what we would do during the Christmas period. If we work over our evaluation, we need to be paid for it because they were. Well, the Postal Service didn't want to do that. They were reluctant to do it, didn't have a lot of people to help. I even went to them and I asked for, you know, let's hire some what we call just casuals, part-time people that want to come in for an hourly wage and help deliver these packages. And that didn't get done. So once we worked with the Postal Service and, and everything going like it going, we didn't have any choice but to file a national-level grievance. And basically what it did, it just says that we'd be paid for all of these hours that we'd worked over our weekly evaluations. So we felt like we didn't have a choice but to, to stay timely with this. We we filed a grievance. And it's not to say we're not going to work it out. But we just felt like that we weren't being given a fair shake for the things that we're doing, and we had to do this to protect our people. Ronnie Stutz is president of the National Rural Letter Carriers Association. Speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Will you and everyone you work with lose their minds if you don't use Upwork to bring in more talent to help? Yep. Can you afford to spend months finding that talent the old fashioned way? Nope. Can you hire them in seconds on Upwork? Yep. Is it complicated? Nope. Can you have them as long as you need? Yep. Longer than you need? Nope. Is Upwork a newer, better way to work? Yep. Is this commercial over? Nope. What about now? Yep. Upwork! This is how we work now!